I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Jason Sinchek, who is Principal of Product Security at Level 9. Jason and his team recently identified security flaws in vital signs monitoring devices from China-based manufacturer Contact Medical Systems Company. The vulnerabilities, which were the subject of a U.S. government alert, could allow attackers to launch a denial-of-service attack that spreads to other devices connected to the same network. So Jason, please briefly start by describing the kinds of vulnerabilities that you identified in the Contact Vital Signs Monitoring Device, and why are they so concerning? So this is an interesting one for us because as a firm, we do a lot of cybersecurity testing for major device manufacturers in the U.S. and and even globally. And because of our client work, we don't have a lot of opportunities to, to talk about that. It's usually done during development or on existing devices that they have. And obviously, we're not going to talk publicly about anything we do in that space. So in our free time, we try and do some research and development on devices that wouldn't cause any sort of conflict um, on the client side. And so we try to buy things off of eBay or an aftermarket that are manufactured by folks that we really don't have any relationship with and probably wouldn't based on our business. And so this was a particular device that we had bought in addition to others. And we did some research on it. Basically, the, the similar kind of testing that we do for clients on their devices or uh, for hospitals on their devices. And it's pretty representative of what the FDA and other regulators look to see. And through that research, there was a number of vulnerabilities found. We kind of had an idea that this particular device and the manufacturer probably had some soft areas in it um, because we never heard anyone talk about it before. It is a popular device, not so popular in the U.S., uh, definitely popular elsewhere in its very large manufacturer in China. And so the issues that we found, you know, we tend to find these kinds of issues on, uh, on devices that we assess regularly for clients and whatnot in the U.S. But in this instance, there was a couple that were particularly concerning, mostly anything that has to do with a vulnerability that could be triggered over the network on a medical device is generally pretty severe. A lot of vulnerabilities in medical devices require physical access, uh, potentially, which is definitely a concern in a clinical setting. But anything where it's a device that's connected to the network, which is pretty common these days and becoming more common, but it's especially always been common for patient monitors. And those are the types of devices that are sitting typically bedside in a hospital, and then they're all kind of centralized at a nurse station who monitors them. And so there's always a network there. How widespread that network is and what the attack surface is unknown, depending on the hospital. But this issue is something where a threat actor who gains access to the hospital network, either through a successful vulnerability on the IT side or social engineering, or just plugging into a network port or maybe hacking into Wi-Fi. There's a lot of ways in a hospital where you can get on a network just because of the, the nature of how hospitals are typically architected. And if they're able to get on either physically there or just over the internet, if they hack into a hospital and they're on the network, then there's very specific vulnerability in these devices where someone can send a very specific packet over the network. And it's a broadcast packet that should, should get broadcasted out the entire network, uh, depending on how it's set up. And any of the patient monitors that are on that network would be 
essentially crashed. And the only way to recover that is to physically go to the device and reset it through some very specific procedures. And that's a pretty significant issue. When we work with medical device manufacturers, you know, cybersecurity is just one of the risks that a device faces. You know, there's a lot of other risks, like for example, mechanical failure or some kind of bug in the software, all of which point to the same kind of failure modes that can have an adverse clinical harm. And so in this case, if you're able to crash a medical device and take it out of use for a little while, that's pretty, pretty significant because it means that whatever it was doing, in this case, monitoring a patient is no longer happening for whatever period of time it takes to physically go out and find all these pumps in the hospital and get them fixed up. So something like that, where the device becomes unavailable is a pretty significant issue, especially when it can be done at scale within an entire hospital. So that's why I think that particular vulnerability was probably the highlight. Um, There was some other vulnerabilities in there, uh, like hard-coded passwords and some other issues with the physical hardware and some of the interfaces on there that are pretty common. But that network-based one is definitely something that is a little less uh, likely to to be seen. So Jason, with that said, are the type of flaws that you found in the contact devices pretty representative of the types of problems that you see in other medical devices, but also other IOT and OT products that you find in healthcare settings? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's definitely a difference out there between medical devices that are legacy devices. And we consider anything that's, uh, you know, as soon as you buy it and put it in the network, it basically becomes legacy at that point. It has to be cared for as if it's not going to get any more updates. And so those devices, ones that are many years old inside of an organization and even brand new ones tend to have very similar issues. Over the last however many years, there has been a lot of maturation in the medical device, cybersecurity, design and development space. So newer devices tend to have a little less of that, but they also introduce other types of attack surfaces. So things like Now these devices are connected to the internet, they're collecting data, you know, they become more sophisticated. So the threats have kind of changed on newer devices, but what we found in this particular one is definitely representative of a lot of medical devices out there. Ones that are even from major manufacturers and and even ones that are from small manufacturers or, you know, things that are, that are hardly even medical devices at all. and, And potentially something that just supplements a device. So like an application within the hospital or something of that sort. In medical devices, they are very common. In IoT, Internet of Things, and operational technology, it actually tends to get worse. So medical devices, you know, at least there's some rigor around cybersecurity. There has been over the over the last few years, and it's it's increasing. And there's a lot of awareness for organizations that use medical devices, especially hospitals that care about these types of issues, that there is risk there. Uh, The difference with IoT and what we like to call operational technology, which is kind of the umbrella term for IoT, medical devices, and operational technology is really all the things that keep the lights on in an organization. So you have information technology, which is your IT assets, and then you have operational technology. And the reason for separating that out is because information technology is something you can manage. A lot of IT assets have been around forever. We, we well understand what the attack surfaces are and what the cybersecurity controls and mitigations are on the IT side. Things like 
you know, antivirus, uh, IDS, you know, endpoint, anything that you can think of that's been done in the last, you know, 10, 15 years is very well understood on the IT side. And what isn't well understood is all of these devices that IT doesn't manage. So medical devices, smart TVs, you know, HVAC systems, elevators, uh, door systems, you know, fridges that hospitals use. A lot of these are smart devices that are plugged into the network and they don't get the attention and haven't gotten the attention over many, many years. And so medical devices are kind of the tip of the iceberg here where they can have significant direct clinical uh, impacts. But a lot of these other operational technology devices, which includes IoT, they can also have downstream clinical impacts that are potentially more severe. For example, if you lose power or the temperature system and the HVAC is, is potentially incorrect or a fridge doesn't work as correct. And there's a lot of things that can, that can happen inside of an organization, such as a hospital or anything that has operations that are critical, that can have downstream impacts that can, can prevent care from happening. And medical devices being one of the most obvious, but TVs, smart TVs, you know, um, smart thermostats, you know, anything that you can find in this environment that is now commonly accepted to be connected to the network for whatever benefit there may be, usually have significantly more issues. And we've tested some of those devices, you know, things like Ecobee and HVAC pieces. And we even have members of our team that do industrial control systems, which pretty much end up everywhere, regardless of the industry. And those devices, in many cases, don't have any regulation at all. And they're typically consumer devices almost, you know, some are used in a commercial setting, but there is no real oversight of that. And I know there's a lot of efforts uh, right now to try and correct some of that, but generally those are de designed and developed without any real cybersecurity requirements at all. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's just sold for whatever the lowest price can be. And then it gets put into the organization and essentially forgotten about because these are devices that nobody really uses, but they're constantly on and they're providing some operational capability. And so they get essentially forgotten about. Nobody has access to them. IT doesn't manage them and they get very old. And as they get older, they have more vulnerabilities that come out. And that, that's just, that is the nature of cybersecurity is that as time goes on, what was secure at one point in time is no longer secure. It's just the way things work as technology advances, more vulnerabilities are found in older technologies. And so those types of devices generally have even more significant issues. And so we've seen that where medical devices are definitely a focus and because of the nature of what they do, but there's a lot of other operational technology devices that can suffer a similar fate, if not worse, and they can kind of domino the entire operation. So for us, we kind of view that all in one space. Obviously, we focus heavily on medical device and helping manufacturers and hospitals address that issue. But we try to make them aware of these other kind of silent you know, cybersecurity issues with these other IoT and operational technology devices that in essence, should be treated the same way. And so to answer your question, I mean, we've found a lot of different issues with IoT, operational technology and medical devices over the years that are all kind of similar issues because they all tend to center around the general design of an embedded system, meaning that 
you know, if you have a embedded device that gets manufactured once and then sold and it sits in an organization for an extended period of time, those devices are designed and sold and installed once and generally they're not revisited again. And so typically they're kind of a black box. And so any device that's inside of an organization that's a black box kind of suffers a similar fate over time. And depending on what it is, it might be designed with a little more cybersecurity than, than others. But we've seen this play out in many different ways, having personally found a lot of vulnerabilities and smart TVs and other industrial control systems, like even things like door systems and temperature monitors. And those issues tend to be very similar to what you see in medical device. So Jason, with that said, how can healthcare sector entities that use these vulnerable medical devices, then also the OT and IOT products, how can these entities do a better job in protecting their IT environments from the risks that these devices pose, especially legacy devices that might not be getting much attention now from the manufacturers that originally sold them? It's a very problematic area because the lifespan of some of these devices is substantial, right? I mean, a lot of the devices, especially on the medical device side that someone purchases, they plan to keep that for a very long time. You know, they're very expensive. They're not going to dispose of that for many, many years. And so this issue of legacy devices that potentially may not be supported anymore by the manufacturer is very real. And so we tell clients to address those two spaces separately. There's definitely a up and coming problem where the new devices that they're buying, which, you know, everyone's always buying new devices because there's new features. And most of them these days are connected either to the internal network or to the internet for various very great reasons that benefit the the customer and the manufacturer, but that introduces more risk. So we tell them, you know, on the hospital side or anyone that's buying these kinds of devices that you should have a program in place so that you're evaluating the new stuff that you're buying and you're, you're assessing what the cybersecurity capabilities of that are, what the cybersecurity needs are so that you can apply the controls that you need for each of those devices that you buy. And then all of the existing devices that they have, which is typically tremendous, when you think about any sizable organization that's been in business for a long period of time, 10, 20, 30 years, whatever, they have a significant amount of technology debt in this medical device operational technology space. And these are things that have just been in the network forever, um, and they're not IT assets. And so to go back and try to address the individual risk profiles of each one of those legacy devices is a tremendous effort. And in many cases, almost impossible because it takes a tremendous amount of time and investment to do it. And so our recommendation on the provider side is, you know, to have a program that obviously is addressing the new devices, but you also have to have a a process for how you're systematically going and addressing the devices that already exist and using a risk-based approach so that you're focusing on the devices that are, if there were to be an issue with that device, you know, a power system, a medical device, a lighting system, a smart TV or physical security, you know, what is the risk of that device either not being available or becoming malicious and being used against the, the other devices in the network and prioritize which legacy devices you are going to try and mitigate the risk on. 
And the way in which you then go to mitigate some of that risk is to fit them into what we call security profiles. So depending on what the device is, what it needs access to, what it doesn't need access to, you can start to mitigate some of the attack surface of it by by segmenting it off on the network or implementing very specific monitoring policies so that if there's anything that's out of line that occurs over the network or physically surrounding the device, you become aware of that and there's a potential issue with the device. The hard part is because these are embedded devices and they're basically black box, customers don't have access to the operating systems, they don't have access to the applications, they don't have access to anything that's really running on these devices. All they can really do is monitor or segment them. So zero trust is very popular right now. And zero trust is basically the philosophy that everything in the network is untrusted. Whereas in the past, everything was trusted. If you were inside the network, you were default trusted. And you can't really do that anymore when you have you know, thousands of these devices that you don't know anything about, you don't have access to operating in your quote unquote trusted area. So you have to look at it differently where everything becomes untrusted by default. And what you're going to trust, you know, is going to be based on the specific needs of those legacy devices. So it is a, a very difficult thing to do internally to start, to start addressing some of that legacy device risk. But we, we tell clients that the first thing you should do is kind of stop the problem from growing. So you have to stand up a process and a program essentially to deal with the new devices, make sure those aren't presenting, they're not adding to the problem and then start chipping away at this legacy device issue. There's obviously other things that you can do in coordination with manufacturers as well. You know, for example, having a good inventory of what all your legacy devices are is kind of a, a must have to start doing anything. And once you have that inventory, you can start trying to determine how you can become aware via either the manufacturer or public disclosure when one of your devices has a vulnerability for it. And then you can respond to that. We call that vulnerability surveillance or monitoring. That is, you know, a priority thing that needs to be done within the organization. That's not too dissimilar to how IT does it, but it is tougher because you have a lot of different manufacturers that you're talking about, and it's almost a full-time job to do that kind of monitoring. But you are, in essence, then relying on the manufacturer to make you aware of a vulnerability in a product that might be 20 years old. It's very uncommon that that's actually going to happen, but it is something you need to do, especially for the devices that are critical. And, you know, that's the unfortunate part here is on the manufacturing side, whether it's a medical device, operational technology, or IoT, they don't have a strong incentive to support these devices forever. It doesn't make business sense for them to support a device that's 15 years old or 20 years old. And they themselves are the manufacturer it's significant effort for them to even figure out if one of the devices that they sold has a vulnerability and then go tell customers about it. In many cases, they don't even know who their customers are because aftermarket and other things. So they have to publish it publicly and they can't reach out to you. And so it's kind of the responsibility of the customer then to go say, okay, how do I become aware of this on my own? And if it's something that's significantly dated, more than likely you're no one's really trying to figure anything out. So there is some legislation out there to force manufacturers, especially on the medical device side, that if they have a post-marketed device, meaning that's a device that's already been approved by the FDA and it's been in the marketplace, that they may become legally responsible for disclosing vulnerabilities in that device for a period of time while it's still 
still supported. That hasn't technically gone into effect, but you can see what they're trying to do there is address that legacy issue. Obviously on the manufacturing side, on the medical device space, there's a lot of focus on how to, you know, the FDA and MDR, they won't even approve a medical device unless it has a lot of cybersecurity now. So they're trying to address it from that angle, but ultimately, you know, the issue of what you already have in your network and, you know, how you're going to identify vulnerabilities and what you're going to do to mitigate some of that legacy risk is completely on the customer. And so our recommendation generally, you know, with the shift in cybersecurity and the trends these days, you know, IT security was the focus um, for many, many years because it is what it is. It kind of powered the organization. And now as time has gone on, that's kind of well understood space, a lot of cloud and SaaS solutions and other types of kind of infrastructure as a service has kind of hollowed out what IT is actually doing inside of the organization these days. And a lot of those IT assets are no longer there. And so what you're kind of left with as an organization is a limited amount of IT assets. And most of those IT assets are back office assets. They're not necessarily involved in operations. And you have operational technology. And that's really it. And so as time goes on, you've got these three things. You've got all your cloud stuff that's no longer in your network. You've got whatever IT assets you have left and you have operational technology. And so our personal opinion is that operational technology and cybersecurity of operational technology, which is inclusive of industrial control systems, IoT and medical device, is the new cybersecurity challenge. It's no longer IT. So how... An organization that has an operation that obviously involves a lot of these assets does cybersecurity has to fundamentally change now. They have to start focusing on this space, less on the IT space, because the impact in the attack surface is growing as they become more connected. And if one of these devices has an issue, it has an immediate impact on operations. Whereas in the past, IT was really just a conduit to causing an issue in an organization. You've seen this with ransomware where, you know, there was the era of data breaches where stealing data and selling it was kind of the way to monetize cybersecurity issues. Now it's how can we get in there and cause a disruption and extract a ransom from the organization? And when you think about that, what's the best way to cause a disruption via ransomware? It's disrupting operational technology that is obviously providing care or providing something in an operational capacity. And that is by far the most significant impact we've ever seen in cybersecurity. Well, thank you so much, Jason. I've been speaking to Jason Sinchek. I'm Marianne Kolbisek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.